Hey y'all, and welcome to The Hill Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. We pray that this podcast will encourage you, will deepen your faith, and will inspire you to make Jesus famous. Let's dive into the message. Come on, it's good to be in the house today, man. Amen. Look at your neighbor. Ask them who they want in the, in the in NCAA tournament. Who y'all got? Ask them. Tennessee. <laughs> Tennessee. I, I'm, I'm going for Michigan. I don't know that it'll work, but that's what I'm going for. Uh, Zags, look, I don't know, it's going to be good. been some upsets already. Um, we're continuing our series, Dauntless God, Dauntless, Fearless and Determined. Isn't that who he is, church? Come on. That's who he is. We talked week one uh, about foolish things and how he uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And then we talked about the reckless love of God. Amen. And then last week, we talked wasted grace and how we're not supposed to waste this grace, this gift of grace that God poured on us. And today, we're talking about the relentless pursuit of God. Relentless definition <clears throat> is sowing, promising no abatement of severity, intensity, strength, or pace. That does not relent unyieldingly severe, strict, or harsh. I like that, unyieldingly severe. So we, we lived in Joplin, Missouri for a few years. Uh, turn me down just a little bit, Pat, up here on the monitor. We lived in Joplin for a few years, and and I'm I'm was born in Tulsa, but I don't say that to everybody. I was uh, I was raised right here in Cedar County. Come on, somebody, I'm not full on redneck. I'm about halfway there, so I'm kind of pink neck. Come on, am I right? And so when I moved to Joplin, when I moved to the middle of the city, uh, I'm pretty sure that that my neighbors, when I rolled in, like in their mind, they heard the banjos playing, right? They they thought for sure the Cedar County hillbillies had had moved to town. You know what I mean? Like old Jed was shooting at some grub. And, and so they were vegan, and I am not vegan. Come on, somebody. I am a carnivore through and through. Anybody in the house know what I'm saying? Come on, somebody. And so I was. I went on a hog hunt with my bow, and I killed this big old wild pig, and I called the, the butcher shop, and I said, hey, I'm bringing this pig to you. And they said, okay, we'll be open till 6. And I said, I won't make it. I'm, I'm driving away. Can you, can you stay open three minutes? Like, I'll be there at 6.03. And the guy, the liar, said, Sure. And at 6.03, y'all, he was closed. Come on, somebody. So I thought, what do I do? So I did what any other Cedar County would do. I, I took it back to my house, and I threw it in my front yard, which I know my vegan neighbors really appreciated, a dead pig. Come on, somebody. Uh, sitting there. And so, so they were all, you know, it was a little different. It was, it was a, a strained relationship, I'm sure, at times. We had this basset hound named Molly, okay? Molly was not your ordinary basset hound, okay? She was... She could hunt, um, not what you're supposed to hunt. Uh, she killed a skunk one time. Uh, she killed birds, and it was fun watching her hunt because she's in like a Joplin yard. She ain't, isn't. She's not like in tall grass. Okay, she's she's in shortly. Well, sometimes when I would mow short grass, and she would slinky across the yard. So like her front end would go, and then her back end would go. And then her front end would go, and then her back end would go. And she'd crouch, and she would slinky across the yard. But that stinking dog, she'd kill stuff. She killed birds. She, I mean, like I said, skunk. I mean, she was awesome. One day, my wife, she says, she said, babe, Molly's not in the backyard. I think she's in the front. Well, we ain't got a fence in the front yard. So I look out, and sure enough, Molly's over there. And I said, Molly, what are you doing? <clears throat> now, Molly was a basset hound, okay, and so she has some long ears, and, and her face was the slobbery. So I said, Molly, and she... She would look like that right there, like the spit went everywhere, slobber. There were ears everywhere. She looks at me. I said, what are you doing? And she had a squirrel, I kid you not, hanging out either side of her mouth that she had just caught and killed. 
It was her trophy from, from the war that she was in. She says, get in here. She I kid you not, church, she dropped that squirrel in my poor vegan neighbor's yard and came running and left her trophy in their yard. I just didn't say anything, and I blamed it on the people across the street. Come on, somebody. <laughs> But she would get out all the time. She, one time she got out and she was loose for who knows how long. And, and, and I went looking for, excuse me, I went looking for and I, I found her and I'm honking. I'm Molly, you know, I'm driving in my truck. Molly, we're Molly. And I'm calling for her. And I'm trying to Molly. And I find her in this random dude's yard. I kid you not, random. There were, the gate was open, and, and, but she was in the yard. There was a way out, but she was in the yard. It sounds like a Bible verse that even you'll not be tested. Come on, somebody. Beyond what you can bear. But if he doesn't make a way of escape, come on, somebody. But you've got to go through the gate. I ain't got time to preach it. She's in the yard. And I look at her, and I'm like, Molly. And she looks around, and she's like, well, this isn't my yard. <laughs> I didn't know this, but my sister-in-law did a, a book report or a, a report on basset hounds after we got Molly and found out that basset hounds, if they get loose, if they run away, they can't find their way back home. Homeward, homeward bound is a lie. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Hurt my feelings. She's lost, man. She looks around like, oh, well, this isn't my home. And she came running, ran out the gate, jumped up in my arms like a slinky. I caught her, threw her in the truck, and we went on. I was thinking about that, that in the context of Luke chapter 15. Let's look at what that says, starting in verse 3. <clears throat> So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, doesn't leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, carrying it, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Now I love this verse because because it's it's like the Christianese like this is what we this is what we brag about. Am I right? He left the ninety nine. I feel T D Jakes in the house. He left the ninety nine for you. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like like like, like it, it's it's picturesque of who we are and what he did for us and and he it's on every T shirt. Like it's that's the kind of thing when I think about when I think about the leaving the ninety nine for the sake of the one and what he did for you and you're the one and I'm the one and and it's so true and I like it but I'm. But I was really kind of struggling with it because I'm like, we don't, I don't think fully understand it, especially in our culture. I don't think that, what was he really saying? Like, what did he really mean when he said he left 99 in the open country? So like, because for us, my wife wanted, wanted goats a few years ago. So happy wife, happy life. We got goats. You know what I'm saying? Which meant I got to work the goats. And she, I've told that, but she, uh, she got to have fun with the goats and I had to deal with all the smelliness of the goats. I'm choosing my words. Come on, somebody. I had to deal with the stuff. Come on, somebody. You know what I mean? And, and, and so we had fences, though, so to, to leave them like they were safe and secure within the fence. But in this story, he's saying he left them in the open country. He left them fine on top of a field to go find the one. And I'm like, I like that. But what really is he saying? Well, the, the, David, the psalmist, the king, the shepherd, he, he paints us this picture in Psalm 23, and he says, The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. The Lord is a great shepherd. The Lord, man, he's the master shepherd. He, he, he's good to his sheep. And we get to about verse 4, and I love what he says in verse 4, because he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod 
and your staff, they comfort me. Like I'm, I'm, I read that and I'm like, okay. <clears throat> Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They comfort me. The rod, and the, he's talking about two separate things there. And see, the shepherd would have a rod that might be about 30 inches or, or so, and it looked like a, maybe like a baseball bat. And it, was, it had one purpose. If a wolf came or a lion came or a bear came or a coyote came or a robber came or an outlaw came or an in-law came, come on somebody, if they came to mess with his sheep, he would take that, that rod and he would protect the sheep. And then he says, <clears throat> your rod and your staff, the staff was a long pole that had a hook on the end. And as, as they were shepherding, if, if a sheep was wandering close to a sinkhole or close to a cliff, he'd use that, the, the end of the hook and he'd hook that sheep or that lamb and he'd pull it back to the fold or if they were getting water and, and, and the, the lamb or the sheep got too far into the river and the current carried the, the lamb or the sheep away, he would run alongside and he would have that hook and he would throw that hook around that sheep and pull it back in. I know there's times in our life that we get in the middle of something. We get in the middle of a situation and all of a sudden the current of that thing begins to carry us where we don't want to go. And we're not, it's not that we want to be going that direction, but it just seems to a degree like it's gotten out of control. And how do I stop it? And how do I slow it down? And at that moment, the shepherd's hook comes in to save the day. There was, a, there was maybe briars and thorns, and with all the wool, they would get in that and get stuck. You ever been in that place where you got in the middle of something and didn't know how to get out of it? That, anyone know what I'm talking about? Like, how am I going to get Benny the other day? Our hall, three foot down, is, is riddled with, with Benaiah Judge's artistic expression. Come on, somebody. He, he, he got caught red-handed with the marker. You know what I mean? Like, how's he going to get out of that one? Not without a sore tush. Come on, somebody. <laughs> they would get stuck, and they would use that shepherd's hook, and he would hook them in the midst of a mess that they felt like they couldn't get out of themselves, and he would pull them out of that thing. See, David's talking about a rod and a staff. And then he's talking about this valley of the shadow of death. He's saying, when I go through times that don't make sense, when I, whenever I, I get a report that I didn't like or, or something happens with my family that I wasn't ready for or, or financially a bill comes in that I don't know how I'm going to pay or, or a, my, my kids do something crazy or, or my spouse or, or whatever it is for you. He's saying, I get to this place that it feels like I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death. But I fear nothing. Because you're rotten staff, he's saying, because in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, you got protection and direction for me. See, when the sheep would go, he would hook them and say, don't go that way. Because see, when we're in the valley, when we're in the valley, we, it's easy to make decisions that aren't rational. It's easy to make a decision based upon what I'm going through now and what will ease my current situation. And we start to make that decision. And the shepherd says, no, 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 no. In the valley, I got direction for you. In the valley, if something tries to take you, nothing can snatch you out of my hand. Nothing can stop what I want to do in your life. Job 42, 2, no plan of yours, oh God, can be thwarted. The devil can't stop him. He can only hope us to get us to out of position to receive what God has. He says, he says, listen, in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, I got protection and I got direction. He said, I got you. 
David understood what it was like because he chased when a lion came or a bear came, he chased that, that thing down. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Come on, somebody. My wife had these goats. I promise you if a bear came and all I had was a little baseball bat and he rolled out with my Megan's pet goat, I'm like, it's okay. The government says I can ride it off. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Who cares? Sorry, babe. Not David. He ran out. Because see, sometimes, like, like love will make you do some crazy things. Am I right? One time I was in, in, the, in my father-in-law's tractor, and I was trying to, he's, we have a big cab tractor, it's huge, and, and air condition ish and heat, it's sweet, man, and I'm in this tractor, and we're trying, trying to lift this thing off the ground, and, and I got the hydraulics set up, and I got it chained to it, I did good, I was proud of myself, and I, and I pull the lever to, to lift this thing, and it throws the tractor up on two wheels, and Megan goes, and she runs and she puts her hands up. Come on, somebody. Either thinking she's going to save the day or she like Magneto on X-Men trying to hold that thing steady in the air. I'm like, get out the way. What are you doing, woman? You're crazy. Like, that's what I'm saying. And she's like, no. <laughs> right? She was saying, there's something that, that might happen to, to the one that I care about and I refuse to go down without a fight. David saying, I care about them sheep. God said they're mine and I refuse to go down without a fight. Listen, God paid a price for you and he refuses to go down without a fight. He refuses for you to be in pain and hurting without paying the price. I, I, I'm thinking shouting when you can't breathe isn't a good thing. <laughs> he paid the price. It wasn't, it wasn't cool. It wasn't hip. It wasn't lit. It was painful. It was, in, it was intentional. It was relentless. No abatement of slowing down. There's a story in Hosea. It's one of my favorite stories. <laughs> Hosea, God speaks to Hosea. And he says, Hosea, and I want you to go and marry for yourself a wife. This is what he says, a wife of whoredom. He says, I want you to go and I want you to marry a prostitute and have kids with her because I want to show to my people how they're running from me to idols and how I love them, but they're constantly turning away from me. So, so he does that, and he picks this girl named Gomer. That's what I said. <laughs> My oldest daughter's name is Chloe Rain. means young princess. We knew it's the only kid that we had that we knew what we were having. We knew it was a girl. The rest of them, we just waited to see. And <laughs> everything was pink. Pink room, pink hair for Megan, but that's pretty normal for her. Pink, <laughs> there's pink four-wheelers and pink toys. Everything was pink. And at no point in the process did I go, hey, Meg, I have a name for this princess. She's beautiful. I think she's going to be, well, let's call her Gomer. <laughs> like, I promise that wasn't, that wasn't, I wasn't like, Gomer, let's call her. Oh, what a beautiful name. I, this is true, though. We'd be pushing my princess with her little tiara and, and the, the little stroller. And people would go, oh, my gosh, she is so precious. Like, that's right. She gets it from her mama. And they'd say, what's her name? And I would say, Shamgar Abimelech. <laughs> and they'd go, oh, that's so beautiful. I'm like, no, it's not. It's horrible for a girl. Her name's Chloe. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it never, never, so, so it's just hard for me. But nevertheless, Gomer means complete. And, 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 and Gomer marries uh, Hosea. And, and they have this, I believe, to be a really great relationship at first, right? Like he brings her home flowers just because it's Tuesday. He's earning her love. It's, it's beautiful. And they, they dance. And I'm kind of picturing like a Cinderella type thing where there's a, a pumpkin carriage and little mice singing her name, Gomer, <laughs> singing her name. And, and they're doing their thing, you know. And, and it's a beautiful relationship. And, and they're, they, 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 they flutter their eyes when they see each other. And, and he's flexing when he walks by. Come on, somebody. He gets ready, but he's dripping when he goes to work because he wants her to know, come on, somebody, like, like he's in love with this girl, okay? It's, it's the picture of what a romantic relationship would look like until it wasn't anymore, until the, the, the hymen wore off. See, guys, the reality is it's easy to serve God when it's easy, but what about when it's not? It's easy to serve God when things are going good and when it's all fresh and new and when everything looks great and, and you've got the right outlook. But what about when it's no longer easy? What about when all of a sudden things, there's friction in your life? What do you do then? Gomer said, I ain't feeling this anymore. I'm running out. I'm leaving. Gomer said, I'm, I'm out. Gomer left her husband, left her three kids. <coughs> Excuse me, Gomer leaves her three kids and goes back to a life of prostitution. Right? Because she was looking for something to fill a void. Looking for something to fill the, the pain that she had in her life that she never dealt with. To, 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 to fill the unforgiveness that she had against people. So she was just trying to get this and this and this and this to fill those voids. But those things were never made to fill that void. Because relationships are not created to make you whole. That's not their purpose. Together, relationships can help make you holy. But they're not there to make you whole. And, and she's looking and looking. And, and I'll tell you what Hosea does that doesn't make sense. That to me is a little, bit, a little bit relentless. He follows her. Like, I would have followed her too, but with a gun. Come on, somebody. Look at y'all acting spiritual. I'm thinking the rod is a good place. Come on, somebody. I'm thinking not protection, but maybe discipline. Come on, somebody. That would have been my, but now, but he didn't. He was better than me, and so is God. And so he follows her, and he makes sure that her needs are met. He makes sure that, that there's gas in her pickup truck, and he makes sure there's food in the cupboard, and that, that, that she has the basis of things that she needs. And, and guys, the reality is, for a lot of us, we're running, and we're making these decisions to fill voids in our life, and it feels good for a moment, but not realizing, realizing all the while a God that is crazy about you is pursuing you and making sure your needs are met. And even when you're making poor decisions, even when you're not putting him first, even when you're not serving him, he's going, listen, but here's some peace for the night because I'm afraid you're not going to hear some joy in the morning. Come on, somebody. Here's some strength to get through this trial. And that doesn't make sense to me, but that's what he does. That's what he did. Gomer woke up. She was like, oh, this is, I'm miserable. She FaceTimed her hubby. <laughs> she said, I want to see my kids. So they FaceTime. They didn't really FaceTime. <laughs> she comes home. And I can tell you, like, Hosea, like, I understand letting her come home. But I probably would have, I would have thrown some shade on her. I would have had some attitude about that. I would have been. I would have. No. 
completely trusting. He brings her back in and he serves her and he loves her and he cares for her. He treats her incredible. Sounds to me like he wasted grace on her. Hmm. Sounds to me like he was giving her something that she didn't deserve. So thankful for what he did for us. That he didn't give us what we deserve. That when he brought us back home, he was like, everything I have is yours. My God. And she, and she, you know what she does? She's cooking lunch and cooking dinner and making spaghetti and doing all the right things for a little bit of time. And then she wakes up and she's like, I don't feel it anymore. I don't feel it. I don't feel attracted to him. I don't feel like cooking. I don't feel like parenting. I don't feel it anymore. And guys, that's the problem with our culture. We're totally driven by our feelings. You need to understand emotions, they're simply a perk for your personality. They are not there to drive your decision-making process. I feel, I feel, I don't feel it. What happened? Jesus said this. He said, the whole point of Christian, of what Christ did was to help us cultivate a culture of commitment. <clears throat> to cultivate a culture of commitment back to him because of what he did for us. Not because we have to, because we want to. I can be honest, if my wife, if I got home and she was like, you have to mow the yard and you have to do this and have to do that, I wouldn't have much of a relationship with her. But I want to because I love her. It's the expression. Commitment is an expression of my love in the relationship to her. It's the same way with Christ. You don't have to, right? But you don't have to go to heaven. He, he's saying Christ, he, he, he came to develop a culture of commitment, but we don't feel it. Matthew 16, Jesus says, unless if you deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, you can't be a disciple. Literally, Luke 14 says the same thing. Unless you deny yourself, unless you hate your own mother and father, that's what he says. I looked that up. He's not saying that I have to hate Tim and Therese Norman. He's saying you have natural tendencies that are very normal and you can't put them above me. He was saying, you have to tell yourself no in some areas. So she's saying, I don't feel it. I want to go back to being promiscu promiscuous within relationships. And God's saying, you may have a tendency. You may, you may have a, a, an attraction to that. But you have to tell yourself no. Amen. You, you might have an attraction to someone of the same sex. You still have to tell yourself no. You might have an attraction to gossip. You have to tell yourself no. You might have an attraction to bitterness and unforgiveness, and you know what? It's still sin, and you still, but it's still natural, and it's still normal, and you probably deserve it, and you have the right, but you still have to tell yourself no. That's what he's saying. That's, that's, that's what he's saying. He's saying in, this, in Matthew 16, and he, Gomer's trying to walk through this place of commitment, and she's saying, I don't feel it, though. And she leaves again. Where do you run? when everything seems to be falling apart. Can I tell you, a lot of us, we run back to some old things. We run back to some bitterness and some hurt. We run back to some frustration. <clears throat> we run back to some old things. She left. And you know what Hosea did? He said, God, I served you. I married her because you told me to. We've raised kids and she keeps hurting me. I'm done with all this. No, that's not what he said. 
He sat his three kids down and he says, listen, guys, I know that you're frustrated at your mama. I know that she doesn't deserve your time nor attention, but we are going to honor her in this home. We are not, we are going to call destiny out in her. We love her. We are going to throw shade on her. We're going to respect her and we're going to continue to serve God. And I'm going to continue to go to work and we're going to love him, love God, despite what we're facing in our life. We're going to do what's right because that's who God is to us. That's relentless. Because see, the reality is, he's teaching his kids. He said, listen, our destiny is not tied to someone else's decisions. And we will not allow, allow their decisions to bring us down and cause us to spiral out of control. When they make decisions that affect me, I ain't looking down. I'm looking up. I'm looking up and I'm hanging on. Because I can't make it without him. So that's how we're going to live in this house. And he continued, can I tell you, your destiny is not tied to anyone else's decision. Your happiness is not tied to anyone else. The only person your destiny is tied to is the one that paid the price for you 2,000 years ago on the cross. <laughs> anyone else? Not that it's easy, but your, your, your future is not tied to them. It's tied to him. He raises his kids. I don't know if it was weeks or months. I believe it to be years, actually. <coughs> For a while, as she's living this lifestyle, it felt right. For a while, as she's living this lifestyle, it makes sense and it's perfect. For a while, it feels good. For a while, for a while, it's satisfying, and it's a release from the, from the pain of the, of the place that she's in. But she wakes up at a place where it's no longer a, a release for pain, but in fact, it intensifies pain. It's no longer a release from the moment, but in fact, it magnifies the hurt and, the, and what she's going through in the moment. Gomer is being taken to the auction block to be sold. Gomer has lost everything. Hosea hears about it, and he begins to check around. He walks up to somebody. Where's my wife at? Telling the story of what we read in the Word. He says, where's my wife at? And they said, your wife, Gomer? Man, she ain't your wife. Bro, she's been with everybody else. And I have a feeling Hosea said, don't you talk about her like that. Her issues do not identify her. Her name means complete, and I will not allow anyone to talk anything other than that about her. And that's what God does for us. As we say, I'm broken, he says, no, I'll make you whole. As we say, but I'm an addict, he goes, no, no, you're free. Your issues don't identify you. What's happened in your past doesn't dictate who you are or where you're going. He paid the price for that. He's, he's looking at her, looking at him, and he says, where's, where's my wife? She's being sold on the auction block. <gasps> Gomer, on the auction block as the people are all around. She's broken. Tears are, are streaming down her dirty face, landing in the mud on the ground, creating a puddle. Broken worthless, lonely, confused, hurting, and angry. Her head's down. 
as they start debating and, and she hears a familiar voice in the distance and she looks up only to see Hosea holding his hand up saying I'll bid this I'll bid this and I'd like to tell you that I think he, she made eye contact with him and said oh my hero has came to save the day but I don't think that's the case I think she dropped her head back down in shame because that's what we do we look at him and we're like, God, I'm not deserving of your love. I'm not deserving of your favor. I am a mess. I am broken and I don't deserve it. And he goes, you're right. I, but I don't want you to have what you deserve. You're the righteousness of God. I want you to get what I deserve, which is everything. She's standing there. And he bids higher and higher and higher and higher and higher until finally the auctioneer says sold and he's paid the ultimate price. See guys, the reality is when you were at your worst, he paid the highest price. When, when you were at your lowest point, he paid a miraculous price. When you felt like you had no value, he gave you everything he had. What creates value anyhow? <clears throat> what, what, what makes something hold its value? I, can I tell you that there's people that it spend thousands of dollars on a Star Wars magazine? That's not me. I'm a buy Harley. Come on, somebody. But good for them. What creates value is what someone is willing to pay for it. See, it's funny because we thought we were worthless. And he said you were worth it all. He gave his everything for you when you were at your lowest. Y'all, he paid the highest price. This, this relentless love, Gomer, and I think went home and, and she had a, I'm sure lived happily ever, worship team, come on up, lived happily ever after. It's amazing. He left the 99. <coughs> he left the 99 for you and for me. He fought the bear for you. He fought depression for you. He fought loneliness for you. He fought discouragement for you. He fought abandonment for you. He fought unforgiveness for you. And he won. Because when you go through the valley of the shadow of death, he offers protection and direction. I was driving around, honking my horn, Molly! Talking to people walking. Have you seen Basset Hound crazy? Looks like a slinky with, with fur and ears. Hey, have you seen Molly? Hey, I mean, I'm looking for my dog Molly. I, she's fast and she's awesome and, and I just can't find her anywhere. Have you seen Molly? I'm asking around. Have you seen Molly? Have you seen Molly? Have you seen Molly? Because I didn't want her to be lost. And I found her. She's in that guy's yard. Middle of the day, no one tried to steal her. She just got lost. I said, Molly, what are you doing? She looked and kind of looked at me like, oh, well, this isn't my home. This isn't my yard. How did I get here? And I got to thinking, I feel like there's some people today that God is calling your name. And maybe you need to shake yourself awake for a second and go, oh, this hurt, it's not my home. This bitterness, 
toward that, that thing or that person, I don't want to live here anymore. I don't, I, maybe, maybe they deserve it, but it's not who I want to be. And the, the door's open. And I'm tired of being stuck somewhere that I don't want to live. And I recognize today that none of this is, is, this unfamiliar place has gotten too comfortable. But I don't want to live here anymore because my master is calling my name today. And, and I called her name and she came running out of the gate. And she came running across the road and she jumped up in my arms and I threw her in my truck. And I celebrated and I called my friends and let people know I found her, the one that was lost. Came home. Day. He's calling you. He's calling you out of the, of the prisons you find yourself in. The door's open. But it's time for y'all to walk out. It's time for you to get free today. Would you bow your heads? I speak life right now. I speak for, for, for people that need to walk in a place of forgiveness. Let their forgiveness be relentless, God, just like yours was relentless toward us. God, I pray. God, for those of us that have found ourselves in a place that is all too familiar and it's gotten all too comfortable, but it's not where we want to live. We hear the master's voice calling our name. And we're choosing to cultivate a culture of commitment. We're saying no to what's easy. We're saying no to what's natural. And we're running toward the master's voice saying yes to him two things that I want to pray first of all if you're here and your heart's not right with Jesus y'all this is why the hill exists if you're here and your heart's not right with him or and you're ready to get it right with him right now we just slip your hand up in the air we just want to want to come pray with you if that's you just right now slip your hand up in the air waiting just a second okay that means we're good I want to pray like this right now Lord help us to come out of those things that have held us captive help us to walk freely God in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death you bring direction and protection and even though we're still in the valley and the shadow is still there and it doesn't look like we can even make it out God we find comfort in that because we know you're never going to leave us nor forsake us and you're a friend that sticks closer than a brother and you declare over our life we will make it through God I thank you for that I pray right now over people that need to walk out of hurt that today they're making a decision to forgive that person for people that need to walk in a healthy relationship they're willing to set a standard that says I'm not doing A, B, or C anymore for people that need to walk <coughs> in a way of encouragement just being intentional about encouraging people loving on people God that's the way that we cultivate a culture of commitment you left the 99 so that we didn't have to be stuck in the, the briars or swept away by the currents of life anymore. You left the 99 to find us in a stranger's pasture, a, a stranger's pasture. And today you're calling us out. God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Love you, Hill Church. Hey guys, don't click out just yet. We're so excited that you could join us today. Don't forget to like and share this message. And also subscribe to our podcast channel so that the latest message is always waiting on you. If this ministry has had an impact on your life, we would love to connect with you via social media on Instagram and Facebook. We would also love to see you in person at one of our many locations. For service times and locations or to give to this ministry, you can download our app or visit us online at www.thehill.us. We can't wait to hear from you and all that God is doing in your life. Have a blessed week and we'll see you next time right here on The Hill Podcast.